This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su. And now our kidneys are vital organs that help to filter waste from our blood while maintaining the right balance of fluids in our body. But that function could be impaired by diseases, including those like cancer. Now, with most cases of kidney cancer being diagnosed late, what can be done to improve diagnosis as well and thus to maintain our kidney health even if you have been diagnosed? Um, and we will also want to know how have advances in keyhole surgery also improved outcomes for patients. So here to discuss this with me today is Dr. J.R. Satyanandan, consultant urologist from Pantai Hospital KL. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Dr. Satya. Thank you for having me. Now, um, if you have any questions for Dr. Satya about today's topic, you can call us at 7733-2900. You can WhatsApp our U-Mobile number at 018-789-8899 or you can also tweet us at BFM Radio. Now, Dr. Satya, kidney cancer isn't something that um, we commonly hear about, especially among um, cancers. So how common is actually kidney cancer here in Malaysia? Uh, that is very true. In Malaysia, the latest data that we have uh, was published about the rates of kidney cancer, two per 100,000. Mm. But that was uh, data from 2006, so it's quite some time back. So we should look at what it is now because because of new, uh, you know, more imaging being done, we are picking up kidney cancers uh, incidentally. Mm. Mm. Um, I So... So generally, you you know, you spoke about picking up kidney cancers incidentally. How much? How much? How would you usually, you know, pick up kidney cancers? Is it are more of them picked up sort of that in 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 that sort of incidental imaging? Uh, currently, we look at proportion. Eighty uh, percent of kidney cancer that comes to us are detected, screen detected, meaning that you are doing a scan for some other reason, and there you have it. You have got a kidney cancer, which is uh, uh, you know on the scan. So unrelated scans, uh, you know, accumulate to 80% of what we see. Mm-hmm. 20% of patients come because of symptoms. Mm. So symptoms uh, from kidney cancer are blood in the urine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is usually visible blood. Uh, you also get blood which is seen uh, invisible, which you're picked up from lab tests. So this is when you do a health screening and someone tells you, look, there's some blood in your urine. And mm-hmm. then you have a scan done. So these are screen detected. And also, you know, in the very extreme cases where someone has just let it go and not uh, sought any treatment or consulted a doctor, they come in with a large mass in the abdomen so that that could be a kidney cancer as well. Mm. You mentioned blood in the urine as one of the symptoms. Are there any other symptoms that would appear along with kidney cancer? So blood in the urine um, and also uh, pain, flank pain, so pain towards your back. Mm -hmm. That could also be kidney cancer, but these are all not very specific. Mm -hmm. You could also have blood in the urine from an infection or stones. So it is not easy to put your finger and say, look, this could be kidney cancer. Mm. So then because of how general these symptoms are, right, <coughs> um, they could occur with any other illnesses as well. How do you decide then, okay, this is something worth checking whether it's cancer or not? Okay, so then you have to look at the patient. Mm. If you are looking at uh, someone who has got blood in the urine and uh, they have got uh, pain along with it, mm-hmm. so when there's pain, it's usually good. It means there's an infection or stone. We tend to worry when it's painless hematuria, when you have no pain and there's mm. just blood and you're peeing, uh, blood that you you know can't account for. So that's painless hematuria. So when it's painless, uh, we worry a lot more. And then we uh, you know uh, take a step back and look at the patient as a whole. 
if you see a young woman who has got no risk factors, uh, she'd probably be someone that I wouldn't be too worried about mm-hmm. uh, compared to a 60-year-old man who's obese, who's a smoker, who's got hypertension. So he would be someone that I would be very worried whether he has got kidney cancer and I would probably screen him up front. Mm. Um, talk to me a bit more about those risk factors, right? I think you've touched on it a bit as an example, but generally, if we look across the population, what yeah. are the risk factors that would you that you would be looking for in a patient? For kidney cancer, uh, it's known as the disease of the affluent. Mm-hmm. So you tend to find people who are obese, uh, those who smoke, and those who have hypertension to have a higher risk of kidney cancer. And these are for sporadic cases. Mm. You may also have kidney cancer, which is associated uh, with the familial conditions. Mm -hmm. So genetic abnormalities, genetic conditions, which can, um, you know, occur in families. Mm. So those do not have to have these risk factors. Mm. What what sort of um, genetic um, conditions? So there's a condition called von Hippel-Lindau. So it's a genetic uh, abnormality. Uh, where you can have uh, kidney cancer on both sides of the kidney and you can have multiple. And they tend to present much younger. Mm. So you could be in your teens when you start having your first cancer. But otherwise, generally, age is a risk factor. Yeah, age is a risk factor. Mm. Now, Dr. Satya, I've read that kidney cancer is also two to three times more likely in men compared to women. Um, Why is that? Okay, so that's, again, going back to the risk factors. Men tend to be uh, more likely to be obese, Mm -hmm. more likely to smoke, and more likely to have hypertension. But these things are changing. Right now, you are seeing a balance being, you know, shifted. And women are also, you know, going through the same issues. More women are smoking, more uh, overweight. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they could be exposed to the same risk factors as well. So hence, we might see this change in the future. Mm, mm. So definitely, it's it, it will be interesting to see the trends, right? When we have that data coming out, and, and I guess that's why data is important, so that yeah. we know who to pick up, who not, um, and who to screen for, right? Yes, exactly. Mm. Um, just to backtrack for a bit here, I understand that there are also different types of kidney cancer. Is that right? Yes, that's true. Uh, could you walk me through what what these are? Okay, so when you look at kidney cancers, you're looking at uh, primary kidney cancers and secondary cancers. Secondary cancers mm-hmm. are cancers from some any other organ which has somehow found its way and spread to the kidney. So we're not going to talk about them as primary kidney cancers. Mm -hmm. So when you look at primary kidney cancer, we try to distinguish them by looking at their cellular characteristics. So we call them histological type. So 75% of kidney cancer is called clear cell carcinoma. Mm -hmm. So that makes up the main bulk. And then following that is 10%, which is papillary, papillary type. And the remaining 15% are very rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could be of various different types. It could be a chromophobe or it could be uh, you know, cells which arise from the stromal side of the kidneys and so on. And they generally have a very heterogeneous uh, you know, uh, outcome. So some may have very high risk, some are good prognosis. Mm. From the perspective as the treating physician, what, why does distinguishing between these, these different types of cancer matter in terms of management and treatment? So when we are able to see the different histological types, uh, so that currently 75% of patients with this clear cell type uh, have better prognosis, better outcome, mm-hmm. because the treatment that we have, adjuvant treatment, that means after surgery, if they do have you know, uh, spread to the lungs or the bones and so on, we have other uh, modality, especially uh, immuno-oncological treatment, which mm-hmm. we can use to treat this cancer. Mm. All right. Um, 
coming back to the symptoms, right? We were uh, you were talking about how they're quite general, uh, and then from there you determine whether it's worth investigating further based on the risk factors of the individuals. When do you tend to see patients? Then you know, are, are, do you do patients usually come in to see you quite early on or later on once the symptoms have gotten quite bad? So now we do, do see different uh, type of patients in different areas. So mm-hmm. when I worked in the northern part of Malaysia, mm-hmm. so when uh, that's where you get to see patients who are in the extremes of conditions. They come in with large tumours, with blood in the urine, because there's no awareness, there's no screening. So here, uh, so in Kuala Lumpur, we tend to have uh, you know more of an urban uh, society. There's more who have got uh, taken initiative to help screen. So we tend to see patients earlier mm-hmm. than before. Mm. Um, but uh, then, <coughs> even then, right, according to the Malaysia National Cancer Registry, and this is unfortunately data from 2012 to 2016, that's yes. the latest that we have, um, most cases of kidney cancer are only detected in stage four. What's the, I mean, do you see that trend changing in recent years? Okay, so that, that will change, that's mm-hmm. for sure. But also this uh, stage four is a very heterogeneous group. Mm-hmm. So you could have a kidney cancer, which is eight centimeters. So that's a sizable tumor. Mm-hmm. And you have a small lung nodule, uh, which is probably one centimeter or smaller. Uh, this would be uh, you know, deemed stage four. But whether it's a substantial stage four or not, we don't really know. Because mm. if you, you can take out the kidney and then treat the one uh, lesion, uh, then you probably have good outcome. So unfortunately, we have got a large group of patients who are lumped together in the stage four. Hence, uh, the data might be skewed in that manner. Mm, so there is a need for more detailed data then? That's true. So it's uh, they may not necessarily sound as advanced as, as it is mm. in the stage four. Would that pose a challenge to compile that sort of data because like you say it's such a heterogeneous group yes. and 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 so it would it would differ from patient to patient do you think that that could be challenging for physicians to collect that data yes that's uh, going to be very difficult because uh, prior to this uh, i think the national cancer database used to be uh, you know uh, chipped in by the treating physician a lot of times uh, you might have patients slip through the net you forget to uh, you know, uh, initialize, initialize and put into the database. Mm. Uh, mainly uh, when you have uh, a large number of patients uh, in a public hospital sometimes, you may not get them onto the database on time. Mm. So yes, there might be some data missing along the way. Mm. All right. Um, we'll go for a quick break now, sure. Dr. Satya, and continue this discussion. When we come back on the show with me today is Dr. J.R. Satyanandan, consultant urologist at Bantai Hospital KL. And we are discussing kidney cancer. And after the break, we'll come back to talk more about treatment. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Su. And on the show with me today is Dr. J.R. Satyanandan, consultant urologist from Pantai Hospital KL. And we are talking about kidney cancer. And we will also um, pick up this conversation to talk about advances in treatment for kidney cancer um, in a bit. But first, um, we have a question here, Dr. Satya, from a listener um, who says that I'm a kidney transplant patient. Um, would Having uh, would being on immunosuppressants increase the chances of having kidney cancer? Could you address that? So that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. So if you look at kidney transplant patients, so you have to look into two different aspects. So one is their native kidneys, mm-hmm. meaning the kidneys they are born with, and then their transplanted kidneys. So if uh, firstly we need to know why you uh, have uh, underwent a transplant, 
if you have polycystic kidney disease, so both your native kidneys have undergone, uh, you know, damage, mm-hmm. there is a inherent possibility that you could actually have risk of uh, kidney cancer from those native kidneys. Mm. So hence, patients on dialysis or those who are awaiting transplant uh, should be screened uh, to make sure that they don't uh, develop any tumours within this uh, non-functioning uh, cystic kidneys. That's one. Mm. Number two, uh, immunosuppressants are used so that your body does not reject your transplanted kidney. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have been in the market for a very long period of time. And uh, theoretically, yes, there could be a risk of it producing tumours. But uh, all the uh, immunosuppressants that we have in the market right now have been uh, tried and tested and they are safe and the incidence is negligible to uh, consider it uh, being a risk to causing kidney cancer. Mm, all right. Um, coming back to our discussion, Dr. Satya, you know, I want to talk a bit about the function of our kidneys, right? They are vital organs. I mean, even though we know that we can function with only one kidney, but what are the potential health complications that could occur with kidney cancer, especially as the disease progresses and the individual um, hasn't been diagnosed yet or, or, you know, sort of hasn't been managing it well? Okay, so the kidney cancer can be very insidious. When you look at kidney function, mm-hmm. uh, how can we know that your function is deteriorating? One is that you're not producing any urine. So mm-hmm. that is considered acute renal failure. So how this can manifest in a, a cancer situation is that you are unfortunately born with only one kidney mm-hmm. and the kidney which has been affected by the tumour, uh, the whole tumour has consumed the kidney to the point where it stopped uh, producing urine or functioning. But this is a very rare situation. So a lot of times, uh, kidney function would not be affected if you don't have any other underlying problem and cannot on its own be caused by kidney cancer alone unless you have bilateral tumours or only one kidney uh, you're born with and even that is affected by tumour. Mm. All right. Um, why would people see you, a urologist, instead of a nephrologist, right? How do how does that sort of um, working relationship work um, from, from your own experience? Okay, so this is a common misconception. Uh, nephrologists do not treat kidney cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, nephrologist is a kidney doctor who looks after you for your kidney function, uh, other kidney-related conditions, which is nephrotic syndrome and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are very important uh, doctors in treatment for your kidney cancer later. There mm-hmm. are some areas that they come in uh, where we are, they are required. But generally, a urologist is the one who manages your kidney cancer. And uh, most kidney cancers are managed in a multidisciplinary uh, setting mm-hmm. where the urologist uh, diagnoses you, stages you to have which uh, stage of kidney cancer and uh, plan your surgery. Mm. Following that, uh, you might need an oncologist to come on board to see whether you need any immuno-oncological treatment. And then if after all this, you have impairment, mm-hmm. kidney impairment, or even prior to surgery, we think that you might uh, go into kidney failure or kidney impairment, we get the nephrologist on board to help tide you over through the whole thing. Mm. And this relationship might be short term, or if you have kidney failure after, it might become long term where the nephrologist uh, come into play. So it's a case-by-case case basis. Yes, exactly. Mm. So you mentioned surgery first. So I understand that surgery is offered as the <clears throat> initial treatment yep. for kidney cancers generally. Why is that? All right, if you have cancer, you want to cut it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, most solid organ uh, cancers, uh, you have to remove the tumour mm-hmm. uh, because generally what cancer does is that it spreads. Mm-hmm. So we want to try to get there and uh, excise the tumour so they can preserve function. Mm. Uh, kidney is unique in the sense that 
other treatment may damage the function of the kidney. And surgery is precise and you can cut out only the tumour and preserving the rest of the kidney. Mm. Um, so there are different types of surgery involved as well, right? Where, yep. where in, like you said, certain uh, in certain ones you only cut out parts of the kidney. Yep. Where uh, and and then in other cases, I understand you might even remove the whole kidney. Yes. Uh, uh, walk me through these different procedures and and how do you decide what is necessary for that patient? All right. So uh, size used to be a determining factor in the past, mm. where you have kidney cancers which are smaller than four centimeters. Hence, uh, you would always get a partial nephrectomy, meaning that you only cut out the tumor and leave the kidney behind. And then larger tumours, we tend to take out the whole kidney, but that uh, paradigm has shifted. Mm. So now, size doesn't really uh, matter. Mm -hmm. As long as we can cut out the kidney and have substantial uh, you know, functioning kidney uh, to leave behind, then we will still go ahead and do a partial nephrectomy. Mm. And these procedures can be done uh, either open or laparoscopically. <clears throat> And laparoscopic um, partial nephrectomy or, uh, can be done with the, the robot mm -hmm. where there's some uh, additional benefits to it. So how do we do surgery? If I, uh, I'll probably just speak about partial nephrectomy. That's probably more interesting. Mm -hmm. So initially, we'll access the kidney. Mm -hmm. uh, so the kidney, if we try to access it from uh, the front, we have to move the bowels because bowels will be covering the kidney. Mm -hmm. You move them away, then you find the kidney, and then you try to work out where the vessels are and then the artery will be clamped temporarily, and then we will uh, use a sharp dissection using uh, scissors and knives to cut out the tumour, and then we will stitch the kidney back together. And then we'll release a clamp to make sure there's no bleeding. So that's a partial nephrectomy. So that, in the, in the essence of it, it can be done either open, laparoscopic, or robotically. Mm. When it's a partial nephrectomy, are you, look, are you make, trying to make sure that there are certain parts of the kidney that you don't damage as well that are vital to protect? Yep. So you want to try to preserve uh, the vessels. Mm -hmm. So the artery and the vein are essential because without blood uh, inflow and outflow of the kidney, they can't function. So segmental uh, branches which uh, feed the tumour can be safely uh, you know, uh, ligated, meaning we stitch them away. Mm -hmm. But the main ones you need to preserve to, for the remaining kidney. And also the ureter, which uh, carries the urine, must be preserved at all costs. Because mm -hmm. if you damage the ureter, then there's no function for the kidney anyways. Mm. In terms of outcomes, Dr. Satya, with a partial nephrectomy versus um, the full removal of a kidney, right? Yep. Does it necessarily, is one necessarily more difficult to manage post-surgery than, than after? For example, if, if you know, uh, in the case of a patient needing one kidney removed or just part of it? Removing the whole kidney is a lot simpler in the sense mm. that you have got less complication, mm -hmm. surgical complication afterwards. So when you remove, the, remove half of the kidney or partial nephrectomy, you tend to have risk of uh, re-bleeding, which can happen after surgery. You can have a urine leak uh, mm. from the uh, collecting system, which can form an abscess. So these things are there. So a little bit more challenging, but uh, it certainly does not uh, stop us from trying to save the kidney because preserving kidney function is uh, uh, the most important thing. Mm. Uh the kidney will still be able to function as normal after a partial nephrectomy? Yes, so that's one of the determining factors. So if you think you can't leave uh, a substantial amount of tissue for the kidney to function, then there's no point doing a partial nephrectomy. Mm. Um, you've mentioned laparoscopic surgery, you've mentioned robotic surgery. How, are they, how much difference does it make in terms of outcomes for patients compared to open surgery? All right. So open surgery uh, will require a large incision. Mm -hmm. So these incisions are usually uh, subcostal, meaning they're below your ribs. 
and uh, to a size of 15 to 20 centimeters. If you're a larger uh, person, then of course your scar will become larger as well mm -hmm. because we have to get in there and take the kidney out. So these scars tend to be quite painful. Mm. Uh, during recovery, they may uh, impair you from taking a deep breath. It can result in you having pneumonia and mm -hmm. so on. So, uh, and return to your normal function could take much longer. With laparoscopy, uh, we can remove your uh, kidney uh, through an incision, which is not much bigger than an appendix scar, mm -hmm. much lower down, so away from the uh, costal margin, costal area. So the pain is much better managed and you get back to work much quicker. You're able to function on your own independently faster than an open surgery. Mm. But in terms of, I guess, carrying out the surgery, are laparoscopic surgeries a bit more challenging than open ones? Yes, definitely. Mm. Laparoscopic surgery, you're using instruments to uh, dissect and uh, feel. So, so you don't have a tactile feel. Mm. But uh, over a period of time, you find ways and trying to, uh, you know, feel your way through doing these procedures. Hence, so you need to be trained to be able to do these things. Mm. Um, and what about robotic surgery, a robotic assisted surgery? Then how is that different or is that sort of an additional element into laparoscopic surgery? Yes. So robotic surgery has a, a great advantage when it comes to the reconstructive part of the uh, uh, partial nephrectomy, where uh, the vision that you get from the robotic uh, uh, component is 3D. Mm -hmm. It's much clearer, mm. gives you very good depth perception. And while you're doing the complex uh, stitching of the kidney and uh, cutting out the tumour and so on, you can be more precise. And uh, the dexterity that the robotic arm gives you uh, is much better uh, and you can do your uh, work uh, in a more precise manner and blood loss is much lesser as well. Hmm. Have patients sort of had any uh, been open to that or have they had reservations when you've spoken to them about it? So the uh, cost uh, is the only factor which uh, mm. uh, you know uh, comes into play because uh, open versus laparoscopic versus uh, robotic. So the cost uh, increases uh, across the board. Mm. So that becomes a challenge. Mm. All right. Um, we have an anonymous listener who is who um, WhatsApped in. I'm going to yep. simplify that for a bit. Someone who is... Um, so th this person has been diagnosed with stage 3 kidney cancer. Um, so as, uh, on the left kidney with a benign mass of about 10 centimetres. Um, so far, they have normal kidney functions. Um, the kidney is... Simil is functioning similar to a healthy kidney. Now, they've been offered several options, taking out the affected kidney or undergoing chemo. Um, however, they are worried about whether the removal of the kidney may lead to needing dialysis in the future. So um, if that this person is not having any major disruption to their kidney function, can they just let it be or should they consider treatment like surgery and chemo? Okay, so the uh, it, it's a bit... Uh, confusing the question. It says that the patient, the family member has got stage 3 kidney cancer mm -hmm. and the left kidney has a benign mass. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're mutually exclusive. You can't have kidney cancer and have a benign mass which is 10 centimeters. Mm. So I'm uh, assuming uh, what they're saying is probably stage 3 uh, kidney disease, meaning mm. that uh, there's kidney function impairment and there's a benign mass which is 10 centimeters. So if my uh, uh, suggestion would always be uh, go back to the scan, have a look at it and see the growth rate of one centimeter a year is significant, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that, that was crossed my threshold uh, 
to take this tumor out. Uh, if the mass uh, can be taken out uh, with a partial nephrectomy, then we can actually maximally preserve the kidney function. Mm. So it will be my go-to. Mm. All right. Um, so overall, if we look at when it comes to kidney cancer, right, with early diagnosis, with proper intervention, um, surgery, chemotherapy, whatever that is needed, what does outcomes look like for patients? If it's locally, uh, you know, uh, it's a localized kidney cancer, and we get there on time, there's no spread anywhere else, mm-hmm. the outcome is excellent. Mm. If we can preserve the kidney, even better. Mm. We do a partial, yes. So are there concerns? Um, what sort of follow-up would the patient need to ensure that the kidney functions maintain um, even with the partial nephrectomy? So with the partial nephrectomy, we tend to look at your blood test. Mm-hmm. So the blood test is uh, measured, uh, you know, sequentially, initially quite close to after surgery. And then at six weeks, uh, if the blood test is pretty normal, if you're kidney function looks a little bit unusual, then of course we tend to see you more closely. Mm-hmm. And then thereafter, if everything remains normal, then the follow-up will be three-monthly where we repeat scans. Uh, at uh, partial nephrectomy, we tend to do CT scans in six months and then if that's all right, then we carry on with that. Mm. Um, what would you say awareness when it comes <coughs> to kidney cancer is like here in Malaysia because of how uncommon it is? Well, I suppose a lot of people are unaware uh, that uh, kidney cancer is, you know, relatively significant. Uh, and there is not much awareness. We have a lot of awareness with uh, uh, kidney disease mm-hmm. uh, and dialysis mm-hmm. because uh, I think a lot of our patients are affected by it. The burden of it is huge yes, in Malaysia. It is. So kidney cancer per se, not so much. Mm-hmm. Again, disease of affluence. Mm-hmm. So those who have it, uh, they get treated. Those who are unaware of it will just remain that way. Mm, all right. Um, so then, are there is screening or is regular screening then recommended for kidney cancer at all? So this is a challenging uh, question because screening, we have got uh, three different types of screening. So we have population screening, mm-hmm. opportunity screening, and then also familial screening. Mm-hmm. So population screening, you must have significant amount of uh, this disease in the population in uh, uh, you know where you can pick up. So kidney cancer doesn't qualify for population screening. Mm-hmm. So opportunity screening is probably the only area where we can, uh, you know, uh, target and find these patients. So, for example, if you have risk factors, for ex- uh, you're a smoker, uh, you're, uh, you know, overweight, and you feel that, you know, you've done a urine test, there's some blood, you should speak to someone about getting imaging done just to screen yourself. Mm. All right. Um when it comes to any disease, Dr. Satya, but especially cancer, right? I want to talk about the worry about patients opting for traditional and alternative yeah. medicine. I mean, you can't, uh, and, and especially with the, the, the kidneys, that's particularly worrying because of its function of filtering waste through our bodies. Um, how often do you still see patients going for these sorts of treatment after being diagnosed with kidney cancer? And, and could it um, impact treatment and management of the disease? Yes. Uh, unfortunately, we see this a lot more than what you think. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, patients who uh, would try to uh, you know, resort to a traditional and alternative uh, treatment simply because they can't bear with the idea of losing a kidney. So somehow or other, they've been uh, uh, told that losing a kidney makes you not whole uh, for various reasons, but it may not necessarily be true. You can still function with one kidney. Mm. So the trouble with this is twofold. One, uh, the traditional medicine market is unregulated. Mm-hmm. So a lot of uh, the uh, uh, you know stuff that they can get their hands on, uh, we don't know what's the content. They could be laced with uh, heavy metal, 
uh, steroids, which makes you feel really good, uh, takes away pain and so on. So uh, they may actually affect uh, your kidney function. So to a point where your normal kidney can be affected as well. Mm. And secondly, uh, while you're having this treatment, uh, traditional treatment for kidney cancer, uh, you know, it comes to a point where you finally, this patient's finally realized that it's not working. Mm. So they may have actually missed the boat of uh, curative treatment by which, you know, this time where they're on the uh, traditional treatment pathway, the cancer may have spread. Mm. So you said patients tend to opt for traditional treatment because they don't want to lose the kidney. Yes, that's true. So then is that a problem with communication? Well, it's probably because this, a lot of these things are cultural. So there's certain mm. belief that if you lose your kidney, one of your kidney, then you might become impotent, for mm. example. This is a common belief in some parts of the country. So but it's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some men, especially since men are more affected by kidney cancer, so they feel that they'll, be, they'll lose their virility uh, when they lose a kidney. So how do you talk to patients about this? So you try to educate them and tell them it's not true. But a lot of times, some of these things have been so ingrained, it's difficult to break down. Mm, all right. Um, to wrap up our conversation today, Dr. Satya, what would your takeaway message be to our listeners about kidney cancer? So kidney cancer is not common. Uh, but if you do have side effects, I'm sorry, the risk factors, mm-hmm. uh, you should be aware. And certain things that you should look out for is uh, blood in the urine. Mm-hmm. And if you certainly uh, think that you might be at the risk group, you want to speak to someone about getting checked. All right. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me. It was a a pleasure. I've been speaking to Dr. J.R. Satyanandan, consultant urologist from Pantai Hospital KL about kidney cancer and advancements in surgery as well. I'm Lim Swen and this has been Health and Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.